0: Good morning and welcome to The Brecky Show. You're with Faith FM. Um, If you're listening live, it is Thursday the 21st of January. Um, And you are with Minnie. And Um, me.
1: (laughs) I (laughs) jumped in too quick. I'm sorry. Renee! No, look, I'm glad
0: you jumped in. I just momentarily was like, what do I say next? (laughs) Oh, look, it's a good start to the morning. Uh, What are you thankful for today, Renee? What am I thankful for? Um,
1: I am thankful for... um, I don't know if this is... Uh, you'll probably tell me it's not healthy, but I like ice-cold water, so I'm very grateful. What? It wakes me up. Yes, so like true. Especially in early mornings, like when I'm feeling a bit slow that morning, I'm like, I'll have some... I know people have, you know, tea or whatever, mm. coffee, whatever, I
0: I have cold water. I'm going to say that ice-cold water is probably far better for you. Oh, really? Like, well, I don't know, but yeah. I, I, oh, if there's the options, tea, coffee or water, I'm going to say water. Water, like- <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and look, getting the wake-up is a always a good thing also yes yeah, yeah. no I respect it's like that. you know
1: how people wake up and they need a shower to just wake them up yeah i'm like
0: yeah a shower
1: but in in my heart <laughs> 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 I don't
0: know. that's anyway. the greatest thing i've
1: heard <laughs> oh, I don't know. sorry what are you what are yeah. you grateful for Minnie? oh
0: oy, I'm, I'm, there's so many things oh, i absolutely. okay so this is something you May or may not know about me. I love colors, like I love yes, colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just recently, I've just been obs- <laughs> obsessed with tradie shirts. <laughs> All those colors, because they're like high vis, you know. They're like your <laughs> fluoros. And it just, but, but, okay. Oh, here's a bit of ungrateful. No, but you know how they have like halfway down, they have like this navy color. And I get yes. it's like I don't know if you get like dirty hands or something, you can, you mm. know, it doesn't show up as much. Yeah, I don't know. I'm assuming that's the reason. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, but you put. Boring colours. Would that be colours? <laughs> but I'm just so thankful because, like, you look in the nature, like, there's so much colour. Maybe not fluoro, but I'm just thankful for a world of colour. Never
1: met someone who happy. liked highlighter colours. Oh, like, the okay. I'm just so happy.
0: You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. What do we have in positively different news this morning? Right? Okay. So in positive
1: different positive news um, today, there is a bakery in London called London's Luminary Bakery. And this bakery is very special. It's not any old bakery because they help women who have fallen on hard times rise up and reach their potential. And um, this, it's a social enterprise uh, called Flower Power. Flower as nice. in F-L-O-U-R, like kind of mm-hmm. flower. Flower. <laughs> and um so they teach disadvantaged women how to bake so um the goods that are displayed in this bakery uh have a have a story behind them when you when you see them it's it uh, it talks it's basically it it talks about not that like the breads don't talk to you, but <laughs> when you see it, you,
0: like okay. yeah, it yeah, yeah, shows,
1: yeah. it tells you that um, uh, that this social enterprise was founded by Alice Williams in 2014 to help women who have experienced homelessness, sexual exploitation, domestic abuse, and all criminal activity, uh, people who've had the hardest time getting work, reaching their potential. So she realized that just employing them wasn't enough. So she devised a six-month training program that more than 50 women have now completed. So although the pandemic proved to be a challenge, uh, many donations have helped uh, Luminary to continue supplying trainees with what they need to bake at home. I know they've also published their first cook book, Rising Hope in twenty twenty. Um, they have their all their graduates create a recipe to celebrate, with quite a few uh, f- featured in this book. And I think what's really cool and important about this story is when you, are especially going through rough times, um, you tend you might question your identity or you're, mm. you're piecing back together you know, your life and stuff. So, you know, when you're gaining skills, that's a really gaining skills is a way to improve your confidence and really and your confidence is a big factor in when you're looking for a job out there so women who are disadvantaged and struggling to find work because of problems that they may have had in their past or they're going through i think you know someone who's investing into their skills really boosts their confidence and
0: yeah sometimes is, you just need that leg up hey yes like you just need that one person who can pull you up from the place that you just you just can't get out of yes. for a, you know, for many whatever the reasons are, mm-hmm. um, and then you can go, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and that's where like it's it's a beautiful thing I think when people are setting up stuff like that to help mm-hmm. others. Hey, yes, uh,
1: yeah, uh, I agree. In more news, um, Iran has actually p- passed a bill that would protect women from domestic violence. Now, mm. this hasn't this hasn't completely gone through yet, but it is going to. Uh, basically, it's now now that the executive ha- the executives have approved the bill. It will be sent to Parliament before finally arriving at the judicial and religious entity called the Guardian Council in Iran. So, um, the bill is called Protection, Dignity, and Security of Women Against Violence, which actually predates, predates the administration of President Hassan Rouhani, and it has been a result of resolved women activists and officials. You know, wow. these women who are pushing for change. Change is happening, and this this bill is a. Uh, It is a means to help women who are... Yeah, who experience domestic violence but don't receive justice or don't receive protection um, against the, those kind of crimes. Mm. And so the government is recognizing that violence or any behavior inflicted on women due to sexuality, vulnerable uh, position or any type of relationship and inflicts harm to their body, psyche, personality and dignity or restricts or deprives them their, of their legal rights and freedoms, is that is violence against women and yeah. and um action they're they're planning for action to be taken against that um they're uh, they're also pushing for educational systems to create programs that promote support of women and the prevention of violence against them as part of the family values furthermore the de- the uh, department of education will be responsible for creating courses for parents students and teachers to help better identify vulnerable students so they're going all out i'm really i really like that they even touched on the educational system
0: oh yeah. um, teaching
1: the next generation what they can do to recognize signs what they can do to help each other out and why it's important to not put uh our, our own community and our women children even men we talked about men going, who have, who experience abuse any people like you know um not promoting abuse against anyone so mm. so uh, this is a really really good bill this is really good movement uh on the side of uh, for the government so Um, the proposed legislation has been based off the works and hundreds of hours of works by tens of legal experts, judges, executives, and officials. Uh, and it's dedicated to the worthy and the patient Iranian women. So that's, that's real good. Mm. In more, uh, light news in Australia. I mean, fun news, sorry. There is a Gold Coast surfing duck. (laughs) okay <laughs> as in like an actual
0: duck like a yeah,
1: creature it's just a duck <laughs> nice it's a duck that surfs on the gold coast so if you are out in the gold coast look out for this it's a duck that he actually goes surfing with his owners he's a pet did you know you could have a duck for a pet
0: i didn't but i'm kind of not surprised i do know many people who love ducks yeah
1: yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool uh since he was 11 years old the duck his name is duck makes
0: sense no confusion
1: there no yeah yeah duck uh very straightforward um he's been attracting attention from the locals at the beaches he many in fact he jumped on a surfboard of a champion surfer stephanie gilmore hey Um, he does like to surf and he'll steal anyone's board even the world champions um (laughs) He, he gives a simple joy to people who just uh, who are there and see mm. duck around. Um, Tom and, and Kate adopted duck last March and uh, they've worked hard to, you know, train him to be a pet duck. And he's done well. He, he's, he's really spreading the joy in the Gold Coast. Um, although he's no easy pet, he's a pet that spreads love, happiness uh, to anyone who sees him. So
0: You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Awesome. Okay, we have some news today, which is kind of a little bit going along with the one of the stories you just shared about Iran, um, you know, kind of trying to deal with the domestic violence or just violence in general against women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in Australia, they're trying to push to criminalise coercive control in relationships. So it's kind of the step Ooh. before you get to um, mm. actual physical violence. And while a lot of people are saying this is a great thing, there's also some... Um, of Australia's criminal justice workers who they're just saying this, we're not ready for that. Like it's a step too far. And in doing so, it could risk more harm to marginalized communities. Because how are you going to measure that? Well, yeah. Hmm. And I think also there's a question of, <clears throat> excuse me, what, yeah, what does it look like before someone can speak out and say, hey, this is happening to me? Hmm. What are the repercussions that happen at home? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, like, there has been growing calls to make... Basically, it's, like, intimidation, stalking, other forms of coercive illegal... Uh, of coercive control, um, illegal. Um, and federal politicians, families of victims and journalists have all joined this campaign urging states and territories to outlaw this form of domestic violence.
1: So who... who- Sorry, what was that? It was journalists? And-
0: oh, so basically the people who are involved in, in trying to push for this. Yeah. Um, it's politicians, families of victims, and some journalists as well. Yeah, I can understand. So yeah, that. it's it's a really spread yeah. out group of people who are yeah. on board with this. Yeah. And yeah, so basically one of the Labour family spokesperson, so Linda Burney, she's part of the campaign run by Mary Claire magazine. She said it's a really pervasive problem that affects terribly the lives of people who find themselves in these kind of situations. Um, But yeah, some experts agree that yes, it needs to be urgently acknowledged and understood. But they're saying, is Australia's criminal justice system ready to introduce this as a standalone offence? Yeah. Um. And so basically the the. Idea of co- coercive control. Just to explain what this term can mean, it's basically a deliberate pattern of abuse occurring within an intimate relationship. It can include emotional, psychological manipulation, along with social, financial, and technology facilitated abuse. So, you know, I'm going to control what time you can spend on this, or who you can talk to, or see, or um, you can only spend this amount of money that I give you. You know, like that's an example of things. Uh, and it is most it is the most common risk factor. In the lead up to domestic violence homicide, according wow. to Women's Legal Service, New South mm. Wales, okay. uh, which is pretty significant, um, but yeah, reforms to domestic violence law have been underway overseas for years. So new offensive, uh, so new offences of coercive control have been introduced in English, Scotland, Wales. Um, Did I say English? I meant England. Anyway, whatever I said. Uh, So, yeah, while some Australian states and territories recognize this under civil law, Tasmania is the only Australian jurisdiction that has introduced specific criminal offenses covering elements of it. New South Wales and Queensland are also looking at criminalization with a private member's bill dubbed Preethy's Law, and it's named after a murder victim, Preethy Reddy. Um, Yeah, who kind of experience this, but the New South Wales government said that it would establish a parliamentary joint select committee to examine coercive control along with possible legislative reform and an overall policy approach the following month. But we're just not there yet is basically what they're saying. Um, Yeah, too often we see the detrimental effects in over-policing and Mm. racial profiling on marginalised community. Mm. In touch, CEO Michael Morrow says. And this is a really good point. I think... We need laws, right? Yes. We absolutely have to have laws to do justice. But we also see that sometimes, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know where the balance is of when when is it over-policing that it, it does call more? Mm. And when more is it over-control? Over-control, is that a word? Hmm. It's just a good... and I, Yeah, and as you said... Although I imagine, I imagine, I don't know, mm. but there would be some situations where it's quite clear what is happening. Exactly. Yeah. But there are other times it's not so clear yeah. and there are other times it happens in the darkness, you yeah. know. It's yeah. not in front of other people. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know, it's hard. Because the thing with coercion and, and, and stuff like that, sometimes um,
1: the people, like the people who are being abused, emotionally abused, um, like you don't recognise it until, like, I don't know how to explain it. I probably you don't recognise yeah, yeah. it until it's 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 like until it's very far gone. So yeah. I'm just I'm all I'm saying is I'm just interested as to how how you're how are they gonna monitor it yes. if it if it comes if this comes into like, how do they recognize it in the first yes. place? Like, when someone steals, obviously you can tell because the place is, you know, a mess. It's, mm. the, but it's clear evidence. Whereas this is, this is interesting, huh? Yes. Yeah. Oh no, thing.
0: absolutely. And as I said, you know, I think it's a great thing that they're wanting to, yeah, yeah, say, hey, this is a problem. Of course, yes, it's a problem. It is a problem, as you said. <laughs> whew, but how? how do you, yeah. How you go about that? I don't know. Yeah, and and this is basically what. Um, these guys are saying they're saying there has to be work with police to break down the situation mm. and work out what is happening. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, good so, good stuff.
0: All right. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. In another story, this is pretty hectic. So there's controversy. So basically in Noosa, so Sunshine Coast, Satanists are celebrating what they are saying is an important win for religious freedom. Um, experts say that it's being used as a method to challenge mainstream religious belief by those who may have been disenchanted or alienated by organized religion. Yeah. Um, so they have succeeded in having the pentagram added among the symbols of recognized faiths displayed at the Sunshine Sunshine Coast University Hospital's multi-faith center. Um, the One of the temple's leader has said, we think it's important that Satanists can access the right spiritual support during their time of need. Um, and one of the directors said it wasn't a particularly difficult step to take. Um, I think this is – it's actually a really intense thing. Mm. Um I mean, obviously this is a Christian radio station, so we we believe in a beautiful, incredible, powerful God. Mm-hmm. And we also know that there is a very evil other mm. other side. Mm. This is by no means a condemnation on people mm. but I mean, we know that Satan is real. Yeah. We know there's power we know God is more. And I, I don't want this to be a story where we spend too much time talking mm. about, you know, the other side of this, but um, I think it's a time that I mean we we can look around and say we we have to be spending time with Jesus. Yeah, we've got to be praying for each other because there are our powers that work. We yeah. are in a spiritual warfare. Yeah. We know this, yeah. and um, yeah, you know, you could say this is only about a symbol. This is only about something at a hospital, but I'm a I'm actually a big believer, and you don't know what spiritual doors you're opening mm. to things at times, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, I think because we do believe in a spiritual power and a spiritual world, yeah. for me it's not just a symbol or just a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll have to see, I guess, what happens with that. But yeah, let's let's just spend some time with Jesus, hey. Mm. Um. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Alright, time for our interview of the day. This is Baron Newstraton. I hope I said your name correctly, but good morning, Baron. How are you? Are you there? Can you hear me? Oh, okay, yes, there we go. We've got you. Okay, welcome to the show, Baron. <clears throat> um, <throat> and I believe this morning we are still in Genesis and we're talking about the story of Hagar and Ishmael.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a fascinating story and uh, one of the most interesting things about the incident as it is described here in the book of Genesis uh, is that the ramifications of that decision, that fateful decision that Abram and Sarah took still has its ramifications in world politics today, mm. and the uh, or, you know the long conflict between Arab and and Jew and or Israel really stems from that era,
0: which is actually pretty intense. Hey, like because as you said, when we look at the world politics and just history in general, um, it has been yeah what. Years, thousands, centuries of tension yeah. between um, really these, these people that started as kind of brothers.
2: Yes, and uh, indeed they should have a very different attitude. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing that people talk about anti-Semitism and we normally think in terms of being against the Jews, mm. but Arabs are Semites as well. They are Ooh. descendants of Abraham and the other thing to uh, which will come uh, across later on after sarah died at the age of 127 which means abram was 137 years old he actually did remarry he had a she might have had a lower status but after sarah's death He married a lady by the name of Keturah, and he had six more sons, which also make up the the tribal existences there of the Middle East. So it's fascinating when you look at early history and how it impacts us today. And in fact, the conflict between Arab and Jew is really culminating in the possession of Jerusalem. And the interesting thing about Jerusalem, and you hearers might want to know this. You know, Islam, the Arabic people are Islamic, and they are mainly responsible for the spreading of Islam. Islam has three very holy sites. The first one is Mecca. The second one is Medina, that's in Saudi Arabia. But the third most holy site to the Arab is Jerusalem. And the the very location of that holy site is the very location, the very place where once the Solomonic temple and the second temple stood. Mm. And that is the only place where the Jews could ever hope to rebuild the temple because it's really Mount Moriah, the designated place by God where he wants his house to be built. Now, of course, whilst in 1967 the Jews conquered militarily the old city of Jerusalem, they cannot possess and occupy the third most holy site of Islam, where you have what's called the Dome on the Rock, or the Mosque of Omar, and then you have also the Al-Aqsa Mosque. I used to live just around the corner from that, so I know it well. And the interesting thing is that that is still in dispute between the Arabs and the Jews, uh, the Muslims, and, of course, uh, the rest of the world. That's the interesting part, that uh, all three monotheistic religions have an interest in that side, but particularly the Muslims and the Jews. And it comes back, you know, therefore we go back to the origin of the conflict, which really lies. In the book of Genesis, hmm.
0: and it's interesting with that story with Hagar and Ishmael because, as you know, you kind of mentioned it was something that wasn't really meant to happen. That was not God's plan. Um, no,
2: that's right, it wasn't. But you, but it's a, it's an interesting thing because Sarah picked up on an on an what tradition that was known in Mesopotamia where they came from. That if the wife was barren, if she had a handmaid and maiden, that maiden could actually have the child on her behalf, and that is that is what she said to. Uh, that is what she said uh, when she approached Abraham with the proposition, and uh, she said in in verse that's in verse two, uh, go into my maid, perhaps I shall I shall she says obtain children. By her, it was under the code of law of Hammurabi that that could be done. Yeah, so right. the child that was then born by the maiden became the child of the mistress, the, the lady of the house, so to speak.
0: And it's it's pretty interesting, as you said, because that's tradition, and yet it's something that there are great consequences to. Like even you know, God oh, kind yeah. of steps in and is like, hold on, because um, we see in of what, chapter 16, Hagar actually flees from Sarah. And it says that God comes to her and says, no, no, return to your mistress. And she, what does she do? She sets up something because she calls, what is it? She she calls God, you know, you are the God who sees because you have seen kind of me and my situation.
2: The place that uh, God uh, approached her is Be'er Lachai Roi which means the well of him that lives and sees me. Mm. She was a worshipper of the true God. I mean, she should have had certain rights, but she had to return. She had to return to a mistress. She was directed to go back. It's interesting, though, The whilst we're on that particular part of the study, if you look at uh, verse 12, I think is another one that is very, very, what shall I say, applicable to today's era? He that is the the child to come, Ismail, as we know him, he shall be a wild man. Verse twelve, his hand shall be against every man, hmm. and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. You look today, if you look at the Arab world and the conflicts of the Arabs, particularly Sunni and Shiite. And the tremendous, uh, what shall I say, afflictions, uh, armed conflict that still find place on that basis. And we've had, you know, we have, we've had ISIL. We've got uh, some of the other extreme, uh, extremist organizations. It's often Arab against Arab. Mm. And uh, this, uh, but he shall well with his people, and that is a prophecy that also has come into being.
0: Oh yeah, isn't it though? <laughs> yeah. Um. And so then as we move on with the kind of Hagar and Ishmael story, we see it's really interesting because obviously then um, Isaac is born eventually to Sarah and Abraham as we know. And then it gets to this point where the next time, is it the next time, I think Hagar doesn't leave, Sarah wants to like send her away and Abraham kind of says, yep, that's, you know, that's fine. Um, Yeah.
2: Then. It's an interesting position that, that Hagar holds and that Sarah would find herself in. She was unfair the way she expressed things, but let's put it this way. Um, she, according again to the code of, and I'm, I quote again the code of Hammurabi, which was a, uh, a Mesopotamian code of ethics, uh, she could chastise her maiden, which is what she did do, The Bible said she dealt with her harshly, which means corporal punishment, which is quite interesting. She was not allowed to sell her. Okay. That she was not allowed to do, but she was allowed to dominate and treat her as she wished. And Abram gave in to that. But that is all. And uh, then she wants him to send Ishmael away, which was very traumatic, very traumatic to uh, Abram because... He had asked God, "Oh, that Ishmael might might walk before you," mm. and God said, "No, there is a child of the promise. Yeah. Ishmael was not Ishmael was not God's choice, and yet he was very much blessed."
0: Well, it wasn't because we see, you know, when Hagar and Ishmael do end up needing to leave, and you know, it says that Abraham gives them a little bit of food, but then um, again, God kind of comes to Hagar and and says, yeah. "You know, like what." You know, what what ails you, essentially? Like, what's going on? You know, God has heard um, the voice of of your son. Yeah. And even though in, what, a couple of chapters earlier, it's, as you said, he kind of tells Hagar, yeah, he's going to be a wild man. He's going to have these things. He also gives this promise that he will be a great nation.
2: Yeah. Actually, the name Ishmael is a promise because it means God listens or God shall hear. Mm. Ishmael, that's what the name actually means, yeah. Mm.
0: Which is a pretty powerful thing for this woman who has been, yeah, through, as you said, there was kind of these, oh, what do you just call it? Like, Yeah, the th- Code
2: of Hammurabi, which is quite famous for the uh, that part of the world. Uh, there is quite a few uh, clay tablets that we found obviously uh, expressing the uh, the culture of the day and really supporting particularly what the Bible teaches. Mm. Uh, but it was obviously a pagan or from pagan origin. It's not biblical, yes. but it is certainly archaeologically uh, traceable, yeah. Mm.
0: But it's interesting that, you know, kind of Hagar is in the position of being under this, you know, and she's yeah. kind of the whole journey of her and Abraham, her and Ishmael, and culturally yeah. speaking, we know that often for women who weren't married there were a whole other um you know, just just factors you had to consider, and I think yeah. it's, it's such a beautiful part of the story, though, that we see God still showing up to her and just really seeking Absolutely. for her to understand yeah. that he yeah he has her best best interests at heart, and and her son, even though he wasn't the son of promise, It's yeah. it's like it's just a fascinating story, isn't it?
2: Yes, because God loved him just as He loves everybody else. Yeah. Uh, Abram was his friend as we know he was the friend of God and uh, you know Ismael was the son and very much loved by Abraham uh, who suffered you know a lot when he had to send him away he didn't want to do that but there was no other way of doing it and uh, yeah it, it uh, it's an interesting scenario that when you when you look at it today isn't it so both the jew and the arab claims the entitlement to the possession of the land of israel in total but particularly mount moriah it's interesting that neither one of the parties is really entitled to it because uh, abram was directed to send Ishmael away from that uh, from that territory although that uh, He was at the time writing to the Negev, just even south of Beersheba. So the the Arabs were sent, the progenitor of the Arabs were sent away, and the possession of the land that was to come by the descendants of Abram in the fourth generation, uh, that was a conditional possession that they should obey the Lord their God, which is what they didn't really do.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Which is- and yet
2: they still claim ownership and entitlement, divine entitlement to that area. But they failed their condition. the condition. The, 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 the What shall I say? The probationary uh, time for the Jew, as described in Daniel, the book of Daniel, was uh, passed well and truly. Uh, and they're no longer the, the chosen nation to evangelize the world, of course, which is what they were meant to do.